hey guys, really quick, I genuinely hate, kind of hate to do this, but uh, something's kind of happened. Uh, long story short, I, my sister, and my best friend, some of you know Ms. Deej, bought a house last year, and the foundation work, turns out, was really shitty. Um, again, long story short, it's going to cost us 30 grand, and we just don't have that. Uh, the reason I'm being kind of quiet and kind of weird is because Deech doesn't know this, so it's kind of on, you know, kind of on the DL. This is in no way affiliated with Fumbling Four. This is just me. I'm just lucky enough to have this platform to ask if anyone has even a penny to spare. It would be genuinely greatly appreciated. And also, for anyone curious why Deech doesn't know I'm doing this. He hates asking for help. I just can't stand here just watching as my best friend struggles through something like this. I, I, I just want to help him any way I can. The link will be in the show notes. It's a GoFundMe called Emergency Foundation Work. Thanks again, guys. begin this episode, I'm going to start with a quote that's very near and dear to my heart. S is for the simple need. E is for the ecstasy. X is just to mark the spot that shows you Naked Mango. Hello and welcome back to Warhammer Lorecast. I am your host, Naked Mango, and with me today is lovely, lovely, almighty Crit. Hi, everybody. I'm Crit. No, I'm just kidding. He's not here because he's kind of a bitch. He had, like, problem with his kids and his wife or something. Talk about lack of dedication. Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Genuinely, I have no idea how the fuck he finds the time to do all the random shit he does. I'm swamped with just one podcast. But anyway, today we're going to talk about Fulgrim. I know he's some people's favorites because, you know, the boy likes to fuck. Or, you know, whatever you're into. If ever there was a Primarch that had a fursona, shockingly, wouldn't be Russ. It's definitely Fulgrim. Whenever Fulgrim was sent off of Terra as a wee little baby child, he wound up on a mining world known as Kimos. Kimos, like all the other planets that seemingly everyone else landed on, was fucked up. It was a mining world, so it was fairly inhabitable, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly pretty. Kimos was settled by the human during the Dark Age of Technology, which of course is interesting considering how little traveling there was during the Dark Age, but pretty much was abandoned and isolated as soon as the Age of Strife began. Pretty quickly, everyone there began to starve. It's a mining world, wasn't exactly abundant with leaves and stuff. No fruits, no veggies. 
So it kind of fell to Fortress Factories to produce pretty much everything for Kimos. It makes me think of Snowpiercer, where they like basically crush cockroaches and give you a little oatmeal bar made out of them. Scouts from these Fortress Factories pretty much became the cops, people who dealt with like a lot of problems. These guys are the ones who wound up finding Fulgrim's pod once it landed. And weird, weirdly, they were like, this child, he's pretty as fuck. That's a handsome ass child. Baby's over there doing the fucking smolder. So because he was pretty, they decided not to kill him. And that may not sound that weird, but on Kimos, because everything was so kind of, there wasn't very much of anything, they tended to just, you know. <laughs> Burn all the babies! Kill orphans. So Fulgrim was raised by one of these caretakers. Fulgrim was named after the deity of the people of Kimos. And wound up, of course, working in his favor because he grew up to be a pretty little man who was the planet's champion like all the other Primarchs. Fulgrim decided to go to work at half the age of other people and pretty much immediately just decimated. He was he, he went to work and he went to work. By the time he was 15 he had already risen all the way up to one of the executives. It's just a smart little boy. Under Fulgrim's direction, everything pretty much got better. He was very, very good at what you think of when you think of leading. He, he thought ahead. He thought around a lot of problems before they even happened. He knew what people were good at and where they would be good at it with it. He was an excellent just problem solver. Let's call it that. And under his direction... They actually wound up producing more than they could handle, which was unheard of on Kamos. And because of this, he wound up being, over the years, he wound up being the kind of recognized leader of the planet of Kamos. Not long after he took over the planet, the world's isolation finally ended. And shortly thereafter, a bunch of storm birds which were dropships, dropped. They all had the badge of the Emperor of Mankind. Fulgrim felt something whenever he found, whenever he saw this Aquila, this symbol. He remembered something, but he couldn't really remember what he was remembering. Kimos doesn't really have a military. They don't really need one. They weren't, they're never really under attack. It's mostly just kind of like a police force. But when the storm birds landed, they were surrounded by these caretakers. Because strangers. Who the fuck do you think you are? Fulgrim decided to meet with all these people in his private quarters, who in these and learned that these people represented the greater human race, i.e., the Empire. And after meeting with the Astartes. The Emperor just kind of walked up to Fulgrim, and Fulgrim didn't say a damn thing, immediately dropped to his knees and offered his service, swore his fealty. Not even, like, didn't even blink, just immediately there, like, 
Big Papa, I've missed you. I don't I don't remember missing you, but I definitely missed you. This is this is gonna be a very short episode. Without having somebody to like riff off of, I'm basically just reading from my notes. So I apologize to anybody who likes to listen to this for a long time. Of course, as soon as the Emperor took Fulgrim aboard his ship, the Pride of the Emperor, he immediately started teaching Fulgrim about the Great Crusade and just bringing him up on modern history, as well as showing him, you know, the way of the, the universe. Fulgrim went back to Terra with the Emperor to meet his third legion. This, of course, is the legion that had been given his own genes. But it was then that Fulgrim learned immediately to his horror that an accident had destroyed almost all of the gene seed that had been cultivated from him. Which meant that his third legion was much, much smaller than the others so far. There was only roughly 200 Astartes that had been created for his third legion. But Fulgrim was a pride mark. Didn't stop him, didn't stutter him. It sucked, but say la vie. He gave a speech that was said to be so inspiring. On the spot, his legion's name was changed to Emperor's Children. And it was determined that only they could carve the Imperial Aquila, the double-headed eagle that was his own personal badge, upon the ceramite chest plates of their power armor. With Fulgrim being, you know, a pretty little boy and being the type of smart he was, he was pretty obsessed with image, not necessarily physical, although he was obsessed with physical image as well, but image as a whole. He became obsessed with the thought that the Emperor expects perfection. The Emperor created perfection. He created me. That means I'm perfect. That means everyone who serves under me needs to be perfect. We are the Emperor's children. We are perfection. And he drove that into his people to do just that, to be perfect in everything they do. This included weapons, like I said, looks. He made sure that his own power armor was literally the finest materials, everything that could be created by the Imperial technology. He decorated it in gold and purple. Very, very Roman, like, hierarchy. Very Roman noble. And hence the Emperor's children, of course, thereafter became purple. Weirdly enough, his best friend from the get, like the moment they met, was Ferris Manus, the Phoenician and the Gorgon. It was well known in all records, even if you just walked in and saw them, that they were the besties. Just OMG girl spill the tea besties. They met when Fulgrim had decided to he had heard about Ferris Manus and just the 10th Legion in general about them being master blacksmiths and because he required the greatest things, period, he wanted the greatest weapon ever created. So he went and found Ferris Manus. And it said that literally the moment they saw each other, their brodom was so intense that people genuinely thought they were just going to start swinging at each other. They thought it was hatred, but it was just they wanted to bro out. 
That being said, Fulcrum had decided that he was going to forge the most perfect weapon ever created. And Ferris was like, mm, excuse me, motherfucker. Excuse me. And straight up laughed in Fulcrum's face. And I, this is a quote that I'm, I'm quoting it because it's funny as shit. Straight up said that such pasty hands could never be the equal of his own living metal appendages. Just like, look at them soft, girly hands, boy. You expect to make any weapons? Fulgrim accepted his challenge, and they both, you know, stripped necky and went to work. And it's said that they worked for weeks making their own weapons. At the end of three months, eh, roughly three months, they had finally finished. Fulgrim had created what would later be known as Forge Breaker, which would be given to Perturabo at a later, a later date. And to my knowledge, he still uses Forge Breaker. It is, a, again, to my knowledge, the most powerful thunder hammer ever created, said to level a mountain with a single blow. And Ferris Manus made what would be known as Fire Blade, which would forever burn with the fire of the forge. Both weapons were said to be unmatched by any that had ever been crafted. But when they looked at each other, they both said, oh, that's better. In that moment, they both swapped weapons and then immediately came up with a secret handshake. Maybe they started playing tummy swords. I don't know. Wasn't there. But it was bros at first sight, pretty much. It said that Forge Breaker was so enormous and so heavy that pretty much any one but the Astartes couldn't even pretend like they were going to lift it. And even then, I know, to my knowledge, a lot of the Astartes struggled. It was pretty much considered kind of a shit weapon unless you were strong as fuck. It said that anyone who looked at it knew that it wasn't just something that someone had beat into the shape of a hammer. They could, You could see love and honor, loyalty, friendship, death, and vengeance in the craftsmanship of this hammer. And I do believe that from here, we're going to go to a mid-break. Welcome to the mid-break, where first and foremost, I'm going to thank our patrons, which I do believe we have a brand newbie. First and foremost, gotta thank the Seven Blades. He's very quickly becoming all of our friends, honestly. And he, what can I say? He's a very supportive man. Thanks, Blades. We love you. Next up, we've got Evie from HR. Evie, I fully expect to see you next week. No ifs, ands, or motherfucking buts. Next up, of course, we have Remington Cloutier, another incredibly supportive person who, you know, thanks, man. We've got I Am Alfarious. Every day we come closer to me explaining why that joke is funny as fuck. And then our newest, but certainly not our least assist, Banana the Bard, a.k.a. Banatican Bard Walker. That is his full name. That is his actual full name, and I love it has officially joined our $25 corn dog tier. Thanks, man. We're happy to have you. 
And I'll say the same thing to all of you. I fully expect you there on the 17th. Come to us, children. Next up, we're going to do a little bit of merchandise. It's so fucking awkward doing this alone. I hate it. I hate it so much. Crit, why do you do this shit to me? I'm just in my living room, and every time I talk, my cat just staring at me like I'm insane. I'm going to bring a little bit of news this week instead of merch. This is an article I found on the Warhammer website, which is this coming Sunday, I believe. It says, War on an Epic Scale in the Age of Darkness. This is for Horse Heresy fans. And it here soon a two-week pre-order alongside a massive number of minis from infantry and aircraft to titans and terrain it is coming in the form of it appears legion imperialis box set it's giving you the complete mass battle experience this set includes two armies split between the legions astartes and the solar auxilia with scores of infantry squadrons and armored vehicles and even a pair of Warhound Titans. I don't play Horus Heresy, but honestly, this is, I mean, if nothing else, this is a good way to get a couple couple decent minis, and I just kind of want to just build some Warhound Titans. I'm not going to lie. The set contains a grand total of 223 minis, divided across 61 individual models, and comes with dice, tokens, templates, and even and every Warhammer veteran's favorite, red measuring sticks which for those of you who are thinking about getting into the game real fucking necessary otherwise you're carrying a tape measure everywhere and that's just a pain in the ass you'll also get the full unabridged rulebook for legions imperialis containing the core rules scenarios and unit profiles for legion astartes and solar auxilia extensive background information about the biggest battles of the horus heresy and galleries of glorious miniatures I really need to see a price for this. This is going to drive me insane. And for anyone curious, the Solar Osteria was just kind of... They were like special... Uh, I don't want to say special forces, but like an elite troop. But like, they weren't Astartes. They were just regular-ass people. I'm not seeing a price yet, but it could be because it hasn't quite dropped yet. I believe it's, this, like I said, this coming Sunday, which is... The 19th is when the pre-order starts, so maybe that's when they're going to decide to release a price. I'll try and keep up on it, and I'll let you guys know in the next episode. I know I'm fully... I might honestly pick this up. I just... A lot of the models actually look weirdly cool, which is weird, because I don't... I'm not a huge Horus Heresy fan, gameplay-wise. I think I might just like the tanks. Whatever. That's what I brought this week. And then, of course, can never forget our dope-ass sponsors. First and foremost, watch you guys roll on over to Fan Roll Dice to get some dope-ass, you know, dice. What do you think they sold? You think they sell, like, I don't know, bags and shit? Because they do. Go to their website. Don't be a pleb. And then when you're all ready and set to click that lovely little purchase button, don't forget to add in our code ALMIGHTYC10 
That's A-L-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-C-1-0 to get 10% off. All kinds of different kinds of die. Die cast. They have a bunch of dope-ass styles as well as dice bags and dice cups. And if it has the word dice in front of it, they probably sell it. And then continue rolling right down the stairs and you'll wind up in this cool little shop called Nixie Gaming where you can get that controller that Chris is always talking about and just bragging about to all us, you know, peasants. Oh, look at me. I'm Crit. I've got this really cool controller that you guys don't have. Well, you can't have it. And you can brag about it to him and tell him his is old and stupid. Just make sure you use our code FUMBLING4. That's for the number. Do it. And last but not least... When you're all tired because you just you just rolled down five flights of stairs. Why don't you go ahead and get you a little bit of that oomph with some dubby energy. Use our code FUMBLING4, again the number four, for 10% off of genuinely, honestly, really good product. I've got more on the way. I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I just like it. Not, I like not crashing. Don't judge me. And that is all for our sponsors. Real quick, just a couple of announcements. Anybody who's wanting to join us on Tacticus, same deal as always. We're always full up, but I'm always getting rid of people who aren't playing or don't want to play anymore, anything like that. Hit me up if you want to play and you want in the guild. I'll see what I can do. We're honestly, we've got a pretty decent guild going on right now. We're all communicating and shit's getting done. It's been a lot of fun. I hope everybody else is enjoying yourself too. And I do believe that is all for our mid-break. Hey guys, welcome back from that mid-break going to go into a little bit more detail about Kimo so we can get a full idea or a better idea of what Fulgrim is going through. So interestingly enough, we do pretty much already know. We've kind of talked about which ones betray and which ones don't. Of all of the Primarchs that betrayed, Fulgrim, I believe, is the only one that didn't have a quote-unquote shit childhood that could be argued that that's the reason why he betrayed or at least part of the reason why he was just a, a dude who worked in a factory he did a really good job and then you know life goes on Kimos Kimos whatever is a bleak unforgiving world warmed by two small stars and surrounded by a nebula dust cloud. This puts the planet in perpetual gray twilight. So, shocker, once again, probably not a planet that's teeming with life. I cannot find. I'm going to be honest. I've, I've tried digging on this earlier, and I'm digging currently. Really can't find anything about flora or fauna, which again, that explains why they needed so many factories and things like that, making roach stew or rock al gratin or something, you know. I honestly can't find anything. I gotta bullshit my way through at least like another 10 minutes. 
Come on, guys, help me. But seriously, if any of you know anything more about Chemos, by all means, hit me up. I'll add it in later. Hit me up in that, oops, I fooked up all that funness. I always like chatting with you guys. The only really notable places that on this planet, seemingly, was Kallax, which was the largest Chemos factory, which, and that's where Fulgrim grew up and where he first took over. It's where he, for a long time, it was the planetary capital, and that's where he ruled the planet. Then we've got a place called Sulfa, which was a region of Kimos famed for the artistry of its sword dancers. And last but not least, we have Phoenicia, which is the name of the newest factory. So I should I should say newest. The new factory city. Or a new factory city. Established by Fulgrim as the planetary capital once he came to rule over Kimos as a whole. Of course, we talked about a little bit. Even during the Great Crusade, once Fulgrim had left to actually lead his armies, he still, of course, paid attention and was ruling Chemos, and it continued to grow and grow until it was an incredibly important source of materials, minerals, and things like that for the Legion. Fulgrim also spent most of his time... He spent a lot of time fighting, like any other Legion, but he was another one that cared a lot about diplomacy. He cared very much about nobility and things that nobility brought. Not necessarily the power it brought, but if you're going to be in charge, you must act like you are in charge. Lead by example. Which is why a lot of the Emperor's children did wind up coming from nobility on Terra. And they they acted like nobles. Not the douchebag kind at first. But the, the, peop the people who when you say the word noble, they were what you wanted it to mean. To honor the Emperor, they were weirdly very similar to the Ultramarines. The, the rules of conflict were followed to the letter. Tactics and strategy were studied and changed and it was perfected. It meant a lot. The rules exist for a reason. We follow them. And if nothing else, we make them better. They were also given something known as the Imperial Will. They, for lack of better terminology, they were kind of almost like, I don't want to call them a court. Because that would be a weird way to say things like that. They just, they did spend a lot of time, I don't, not enforcing the Emperor's Will, more teaching it spreading it enforcing of course was more conrad cruz with his night lords and of course russ and the space wolves that was my enforcing it was more their speed the emperor's children was more about spreading it teaching and showing people that there was a better way etc etc i honestly can't find anything of note about chemos this place really was just a shit planet guys i I hate to do it, but I'm just going to have to cut this one short. Please don't be mad at me. If you yell, I'll cry. But thanks for joining me on a real weird episode, I guess. Hopefully next week's will be much better, much funnier, much better. -er -er. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Without you guys, we wouldn't have a show. It's just, it, I genuinely appreciate it. It is a lot of fun doing this. I, I thank you guys. 
for listening to me rant about stupid nerd shit. And on that note, sayonara. Hey guys, I know I said it was done, but uh, it was a weirdly short episode and I didn't want to just leave it there. So I thought, what can I do to make it a little more entertaining and give you guys a little bit more content? And I thought, fan fiction. And that turned out to be a horrible idea. So today I'm going to bring you just a couple 40k inspired two sentence horror stories. Could be fun, right? All right, let's get into it. The Blood Angels were dropped into the battlefield as reinforcements right in front of our line. It was strange, though. Their armor was black instead of red. The traitorous elements had taken command of much of the city. The loyalists rejoiced when they saw the guard surrounded and surround the hive with their artillery until the breeze caught their banners and they recognized the emblem of the Death Corps. Would you care to repeat that, Godsman? The commander asked, unsnapping the flap on his holster. I don't believe I heard you properly. In the thick of the fighting, I heard one of my battle brothers come up alongside me, bolt pistol blasting as he roared. For the Emperor! When I felt the knife sink into my back, he whispered, Hydra Dominatus. It's just one bloody elder, the sergeant snarled to the rest of his warband. When they heard the eerie, echoing, unnatural laughter, they knew that this one Eldar was too much, even for all of them. The Emperor protects, I whispered as I closed my eyes. The thing I'd glimpsed in the darkness drew closer, unhampered by my prayer. We had declared ourselves independent from the Imperium. When the ancient ships came out of the warp, twisted legionnaires of chaos at their helms, we had no one to call on for aid. The servitor addressed me by name. As I heard its hydraulic fist clinch, I realized it had never heard my name. Not since before it had been modified, at least. I thought the worst thing that Biologos could say after my examination was I was going to die. It turns out the worst thing the tech priest could say was... Interesting. The thing that loomed out of the shadows was long, sinuous, its chitinous hide covered in dripping slime and its maw opened to expose rows of razor teeth. I wept as it tore at my clothing, because it was so beautiful, I just couldn't look away. Your son is strong, the salamander said, gazing into the infant's eyes. As he handed me back my child, he added, Perhaps he will be stronger than his two brothers were. The Eldar gathered round the dead monkey in silent dread. They knew space marines traveled in packs, and they would tear this world apart until they found vengeance for their brother. It wasn't that much different from eating corpse starch when he thought about it. Not really. After weeks of grueling, bloody battle, 
We thought we'd finally pushed the orcs to the breaking point. We realized too late that the noise they made wasn't caused by fear, pain, or desperation. It was joy. The Tau had arrived with a full contingent of battle suits, firecast warriors, and advanced weaponry. None of them had feared a single Katachan with a knife. At first. The night called Star's Halo had stood for thousands of years against all foes who had threatened the world. When we found the dead, burned-out husk of Great Machine, we knew we were going to die. The meteor shower was beautiful. We didn't realize what it was hiding until the drop parts started to impact. The guy had it coming for running his mouth. When we found the inquisitorial rosette tucked away up his sleeve, though, we realized we were in deep shit. We heard the flies buzzing before we saw the corpses. When the corpses saw us, we had nowhere left to run. Pleasure worlds had something to suit every taste. Some tastes, though, were more extreme than others. The dig had revealed an ancient, sprawling tomb complex that looked fit for a king. What we didn't realize was the silent ones lining the walls beneath the earth were merely sleeping. Sitting in the darkness of the black ship surrounded by the soulless was like being blind, deaf, and in hell. In the blessed silence, though, I could no longer feel the eyes of the dark ones staring into me. Do you know who wrote that book you love so much? The word bear whispered to the Kenness in a sly, knowing voice. Will your faith endure the truth, I wonder? The Arbides had been trying to contain the swell of mutants pouring out of the Underhive. Nobody asked what was driving them up out of the darkness, though. Not until it was too late. Careful with that weapon, Trooper, the commander snarled. It's worth more than you are. Your genetic code simply will not accept the procedure, the Astartes said, resting his huge hand on my bruised and bloody shoulder. It's a shame, as you likely would have been among the best of us. The Ratskins warned away anyone who tried to delve too deeply in that part of the Underhive. Most never came back, and the ones that did screamed about green lights and ancient gods until someone put them out of their misery. The guardsman's primer was inaccurate, self-important, poorly written, and next to worthless. Following it was likely to get you killed, but not following it would get you executed. K-1 
Arcadia stands. Tanith remembers. Most Astartes are warriors, the Night Lord said with a chuckle full of blood. But we, we are killers. They say you'd never hear the shot that kills you. The ones that leave you crippled, though, are loud and clear. The Administratum Secretary found a dire call for reinforcements, citing the dangers of an intimate collapse of the battle lines. She was about to send it up the chain until she saw how long the document had waited to finally reach her desk. There, we're safe now, the trade governor said, slamming the vault door. Well, one of us is. His secretary replied, her face melting as the polymorphine wore off. I'd received nothing but scorn, hate, and disgust my whole life. Even demons couldn't bear to touch me, if for different reasons than most people. <coughs> Everyone contributes, I said to Arlen dumping their gagged, struggling form into the waste recycling van in their own way. I'm innocent, I moaned through my broken teeth. That proves nothing, the Inquisitor said, picking up another of his gleaming steel tools. It was definitely a drop pod, but it was so small there was no way more than one person would fit in it. I opened the Vox to report, but all I heard from the other end was gunfire and screaming. The impact from the weapon would kill most any human. When the roar erupted from the dust cloud though, the enemy realized they'd upset the Ogryn. Most of the hive retreated when the Chaos Cult came out into the open. The gangers, though, were locked, loaded, and ready to make them bleed for their turf. The Emperor was powerful, but he was far, far away on Terra. Other gods may not have been so strong, but they came to you when you needed something. Corn doesn't care from where the blood flows, but I do. Or at least I did. Once. A bayonet isn't much concern to a chaos sorcerer. Unless it's lodged in their windpipe, of course. You were very determined not to be taken alive. The homunculus said, carefully repairing the hole I'd put in the side of my own head. I look forward to seeing how long it takes to break that spirit. The galaxy was awash in blood. 
the scent of all that death was drawing something from beyond, something hungry for more. Alright guys, that's about all I've got of those for now. Let me know if you like it. Maybe I can convince Crit to do some, or maybe we can do a random episode where we read random fan fiction. We're open to, we're open to ideas. We run out of ideas all the time. I had fun with it. That's really all that matters to me. That's not fair. I had fun with it. I guess that's all that matters. Anyway, thanks again for joining us, guys. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Warhammer Lorecast. If you like the show, please leave a five-star review. Tell a friend. That's how we grow. And stay tuned on that Patreon. Coming soon. And finally, shortly within the next week, we'll have our Twitter up and running. Make sure you reach out to us. Tell us what you think. And, of course, show us those armies. Until next time, dear listener, remember, in the 41st millennia, there is only war.